I'm so glad you're here today. Even though we are miles apart through this vehicle of technology, we're near. The Bible, actually Jesus himself said, where two of us are gathered in his name, he's in our midst. This is not a TV show you're watching. This is an opportunity to engage the living God. And I want to encourage you just a moment to just close your eyes because I know all of us have needs. All of us have struggles, worries, fears. All of us have questions about the morrow. And we're going to bring those to the Lord right now. You see, the Bible says if you cast your cares on the Lord, He'll care for you. So, Lord, that's what we do now. We literally, as best we know how, we give all our cares to you. You're our dad, you're our father, you're a good God, you're our provider. Lord, you know the beginning from the end, and you've got this world in your hands. So we just release all of it to you, the fear, the anxiety, the worry, the needs, and we just say, Holy Spirit, just come today. Come, Lord, with your peace. Come with your healing virtue. Lord, come with answers, Lord, as we seek your face. And we love you today in Jesus' name. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Let's pray one more thing. Lord, we want to pray for uh, our president, our governors, uh, leaders throughout the country, scientists, doctors, people that are trying to get a handle and, and redirect the nation uh, it, it, to get back to some degree of normal in this coronavirus. I want to pray that this week you would release to them words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and I want to pray that this would be a dramatic turnaround week. Lord, I pray that you bless our city, all the businesses, Lord, that are, have their doors shut or have modified what they're doing. Lord, the medical people, emergency people, essential people, Lord, that are stretched. I just pray the Spirit of the Lord would strengthen them all and give us grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've got your Bible, look with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And there's a little funny picture that someone sent me this week. I want you to look at it. It'll be on the screen behind me. But it's this family sitting in church. Oh, here we go. Uh, and you see their mom and dad, a little girl, a little boy. Uh, I'm glad we're able to attend church again, but I miss being able to fast forward and to mute. Now, you might find that a little funny. Uh, I sure did. It made me laugh. But listen, I want you to know that we are making plans even now to begin to resume uh, our gathering uh, as the family of believers. Uh, we have been t uh, got directives from the uh, attorney general uh, in, in contact with the governor. Uh, plans are being formulated how churches begin to, begin to reopen themselves. Uh, we're working now. That's our main thing we're working on right now, our staff, our board members, our elders, uh, about ways to be able to re-engage as church family, but yet still keep all of us safe, and that's our number one concern. Uh, we've been doing a series called The Corona Crisis, and in this series, Corona Crisis, we're asking questions. Remember, we started about the big question, what if? What if something bad happens? And again, all these are, you can go back in our library and listen to. We asked the question, why? Uh, why is this happening? Now, last week, we kind of moved on and asked the question, what now? We were talking about our new normal, and my challenge was, what changes will we make after this corona crisis to be the better person that the Lord have us, will have us to be. Well, we're going to continue uh, this uh, today with that what now, and I want to talk about this subject. I want to talk about the fear we have to re-engage life when the quarantine is over, because it's real. Let me tell you a little funny story. I went turkey hunting the other day, and uh, 
I was in the DeQueen area, and I was thinking about, well, it's lunchtime, it's kind of a special time, and I, I had a little routine that I used to do, a little favorite Mexican restaurant. I'd go in there after I'd hunt up there. Well, you couldn't go inside, and of course, uh, I Googled what has a drive-through, didn't find very much. Was going to Subway, found out their drive, they didn't have a drive-through. And as I was pondering what to do, I looked on the side of the road and there was a little, uh, one of these little trailers that serve Mexican food. And I thought, that's where I'm going. So I pulled in there and I looked and the gal behind the, the window, she had her mask on. And I felt real, I put my mask on and my gloves on. Anyway, got my order, got back in the car and in the truck. And uh, uh, I, I've been pretty dutiful. My son and daughter-in-law have been motivating me to do everything I can to stay safe. So um, I got my little Clorox wipes out and I got in the car, took my mask off and I wiped my gloves down with the Clorox deal and I opened the sack and I thought, well, what if she touched the little container? So I wiped the container off and then I got my fork and I thought, well, maybe she touched my fork. And then I got my napkin and I was about to wipe my nose and just before I touched it, I thought, what if she touched the napkin? Because I've read that the virus can be on the napkin. Now, listen, I'm being a... This literally happened. And I'm sitting in my truck, and what I did is I folded the napkin and used it on the inside. Now, you may say, well, you're a little OCD, and I, maybe I'm a little bit, but I want to tell you something I realized at that very moment. Fear tried to get on me. And what I want to talk about today, caution is appropriate, but paralyzing fear is not. Read you a verse, our text today, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Paul the Apostle said, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you. In other words, God has anointed you, God has called you, God has given you abilities, but for some reason it's laying dormant. And then he tells us why. He says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It's like he's saying the Holy Spirit didn't give you fear, the Holy Spirit gives you power. And then he tells us what perhaps he was afraid of. Uh, he said, don't, Paul said, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel. So literally, Timothy was afraid to use what God had given him so he could do what God had called him to do. He was afraid. To be afraid means to lack courage, means to behave as a coward. And Timothy's fear was likely paralyzing him uh, because he was concerned that, hey, look, Paul was being persecuted, and if I start, you know, doing what Jesus wants me to do, I'll be persecuted, and he was afraid. Now, the coronavirus uh, can be used by Satan to keep us isolated and spiritually impotent after the crisis is over. And I'm talking about fear. States are reopening. People are afraid that they'll catch the virus. But the question I want to ask you today is this simple one. Will we let fear stop us from living the life God intends us to live? Let me ask you again. Will we let fear stop us? Will we be able to exercise prudent caution but not cross over into paralyzing fear because it becomes a tool in the hand of Satan to stop you from doing what God uh, would have us to do. Well, I've, in, I've entitled this message, The Next Battle, because it will be a battle for us. Let me give you a little perspective, kind of a big picture, step back just a moment. Uh, how did we get where we are today? Well, if you remember, it was sometimes in early March, uh, models, predictions came out that suggested 2.2 million people would die in America. Now, that's a lot of folks. 
We believed it. We acted on it. They told us the only way to keep safe was to quarantine ourselves, to isolate ourselves from other people. Most of us did that. We wore gloves. We wore masks. We were told to wash our hands until our skin gets wrinkled. Well, we did it. And you know what? Now the projections have changed dramatically. I read a projection just yesterday that uh, said uh, uh, it could be the month of August and it could be 60,000 would have died. Well, now, now it's in the 40s, close to 50, could be 60, could be a little bit more. It's a vast different from 2.2 million people. Um, I suggest even though the projections have dropped, the fear of dying from the coronavirus is still real. Uh, we've been laser focused on the power of this virus to kill us. But for a little balance, do you know we virtually ignore things like uh, the CDC says that there'll be 647,000 people that will die this year from coronary disease. But yet we get our hamburger with double meat and double cheese and we lay on the couch and don't exercise. But when we go outside, we wear a mask and gloves. It just doesn't kind of make sense. Um, we, the big picture doesn't make sense. Uh, even though there's a 99% chance that we're going to be just fine after this, it's that 1% that has the power to paralyze. Corona caution is good, but being paralyzed by fear can stop us from living the life intended, God intended us to live. What, what do I mean by that? I may mean, for example, maybe one day, I don't know, in the grocery store, you see someone, and, uh, and uh, the Lord really puts a burden on your heart. Maybe you know them, maybe you don't. And uh, the Lord puts a burden on your heart to go to pray for them. But you're afraid because you've been social distancing for a couple months. How about a missions trip? Uh, going to the mission field. How about giving money when there's talk of a depression, uh, 30 million people on, a, on a unemployment right now, and you can read articles that'll just flat scare you about what could happen in the future economically, so we hold back on our resources. You see, fear has a paralyzing effect. Uh, corona caution is good, but paralyzing fear that stops us from living the life God intended is bad. And this is what I want to talk to you about today. Fear can become a spiritual stronghold that can stop us from doing God's will. Now let's look in the Bible at fear's power to paralyze and to stop us from engaging God and doing his will. 1 Samuel 17, it's a very familiar passage. It's about David and Goliath. I'm not going to read all of it, but I want to look at just a little bit of it today to just give you a sense of what the power of fear, how it can stifle us. 1 Samuel 17, uh, verse 3, the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with a valley between them. Now I want you to get this picture. There was war going on ever since Israel went back to her promised land uh, that God had given them. They were driving out the, the, the foreign and the pagan people. And now you've got a battle that's about to start and they're each on one side of the mountain. And uh, uh, just kind of like, oh, maybe you saw the Braveheart movie years ago. You've got the, 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 the Scottish men on one side. You've got the king's men on the other. And they're going to meet in this valley and they're going to have their fight. Well, that's kind of the picture. But notice verse 4, what happened? Goliath, a Philistine champion, came out to face the forces of Israel. Now listen, he was over nine feet tall. Now, I don't know how much over, over is, but his head could almost touch a basketball goal. That's a big guy. He's bigger than the guys that play professional basketball. They may be seven foot. Goliath is intimidating. 
Well, notice what it said, verse 8. Goliath began to taunt them. He shouted at the Israelite people, send me a man who will fight me. The Israelites heard this. They were terrified. Fear paralyzed them. And it didn't just happen one time. Uh, For 40 days, the Bible says, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. Now, that's an easy picture to visualize. You've got thousands of people on each side ready to engage in battle. And one guy comes out and he speaks words of intimidation and everything stops. God's will for them stops. The future for them stopped. They could even go backwards in their life. And it was all because of fear. Israel was afraid of Goliath because he could kill them. And it wasn't an imaginary fear. You know, probably when I got my food in that car, it was probably an imaginary fear that there was cooties on the, on the outside container or the fork or cooties on the napkin. But, but there's a difference between real fear. And Goliath was there. He was potentially had the ability to destroy them. But the fear of death became so overwhelming that they stopped what God wanted them to do. And this is what I want to talk to you about. Listen, nobody wants to die, and Satan takes advantage of this fear. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but you know the story. (laughs) Nobody wants to go today. Uh, God created us to live and not die. But let me ask you a question, if I could, a moment. What's really so bad about dying? I mean... Uh, If we want to know how to get over fear, we've got to tackle the root of the thing. You see, what we're really afraid of in this corona crisis is we're afraid of dying. Fear is paralyzing. I don't care what it is fear of. Fear of getting behind the wheel of a car. Fear of going into surgery. Fear of leaving home, there's in the root of all of us a fear we struggled with. And that's what we're really afraid of in this corona crisis. Um, You know, when I was thinking about this message, this story about the power of fear and its power to paralyze us, just the other day, but the first time I was going to get to go turkey hunting, and my anxiety started acting up. I was getting in a car, I was going to have to drive myself about an hour. And out of nowhere, an illogical feeling began to grow inside of me. And for about four hours, I, had a, I was having a mild panic attack. And everything inside me caught, told me to just go back home and it'll be okay. See, I'd been home for a month. And I'd been in a safe place. And as I start to step out a little bit, there was this thing called fear. Nothing to do with God's will or doing something great. But it was something that was trying to stop and restrain my life and I refused to do it. I kept going. I enjoyed myself, and I've been enjoying myself ever since. Fear has the power to paralyze. So again, let me, where I was just a moment ago, what are we really afraid of in this corona crisis? We're afraid of dying. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Now listen to this. This explains the fear of death. It says, only by dying, Jesus' death on the cross, could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Now, we were, not, we were created to live and not die. The reason people die is because of sin. Satan, Adam and Eve, gave Satan the power of sin and death to destroy people. He's been destroying people ever since. And it's like Satan's highest trump card that he has to play. It's like it's a king of, of, uh, of whatever the, uh, whatever the trump, uh, trump suit is. And he plays that king against us all the time to intimidate us. But good news is, Jesus has the ace. Now listen to this, verse 15. 
Only in this way, Jesus' death on the cross, could he set free all who had lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Slaves to the fear of dying. Now, you don't think about it when you're young very much unless you've faced health problems. Maybe you've had an accident. Maybe a dear friend had an accident. But we live our lives, and the older we get, the, re- the more we realize that I'm not going to live forever. And Satan uses this. This is where my focus is today. There is a healthy sense of fear. Fear keeps us from, you know, from going nuts. It makes us wash our hands. It makes us do the social distancing and all that. It can be a good thing. But yet, when fear immobilizes and paralyzes us, it's Satan's trick, and we don't want to give in to that. Uh, listen, Israel was afraid of Goliath because he could kill them. Uh, the fear of death was so overwhelming, they stopped what God wanted them to do. None of us wants to die, and Satan wants to take advantage of this fear. But I want to ask you this question. Is dying really so bad? Is dying really so bad? You say, well, come on, pastor. Listen. When the Christian dies, we're going to go to a real place called heaven and be with Jesus forever. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5. He said, we're fully confident that we'd rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we'll be at home with the Lord. So what did he say? He said, said, listen, as long as I'm on this earth, I'm away from the Lord. But at the moment my spirit leaves my body, I'm instantly in the presence of the Lord. Now, the process of death may not be a fun one, but I want to tell you, friend, death for the Christian should be something to look forward to. We don't do it. We make our life on earth as comfortable as it can be, and Satan knows that, and he wants to use the fear of death to try to control our lives. Now, I I want to spend the last few minutes of this message talking about what I'm going to call battle tactics to win the battle against fear. Uh, battle tactics. I'm going to give you three. And here's the first battle tactic. It is to recognize your enemy's tactics. Recognize what the enemy's trying to do. Satan, again, he uses fear to paralyze us, to stop us from doing God's will for our life. We read about it with Israel and Goliath. But how about Peter? Peter was the only person in recorded history who literally stepped out on the water and didn't sink from the law of gravity. He walked on the water, but guess what happened? He looked at the waves and he saw that they were rolling and fear came on his life and he began to sink. How about uh, the Israelites? Remember when they were fleeing Egypt? They get at the corner, right by, they get right by the Red Sea and the sea is too overwhelming for them to cross. You know, it's perhaps a couple million people, one to two million people that are there. They look behind them and Pharaoh's army is coming. They think they're going to kill them and fear took over. They wish they would have gone back to Egypt. You see, fear has the ability to stop us right where we are. It is a tool of Satan. I believe Satan tried to use that same tool against Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he was praying, the Bible said he he prayed, as it were, with great drops of blood, like sweat falling from his body. I believe there was a voice whispering in his ear. I believe it was that old voice, that old serpent Satan, talking to Jesus about what it would feel like to die on a cross, what he was going to go through, the shame, the humiliation, the fact that everybody would leave him. And then the, then the pain of bearing the sins of the world and being separated from the Father. Jesus thought about all these things. But you know what? He didn't let his fear stop him. He got up from his prayer time. He faced it. 
And he went through the unimaginable for a couple days. And then he came out as king of kings and lord of lords. Listen, Satan uses fear. And the first battle tactic is to realize it. And I want to encourage you, hopefully you will, after this message, as you are thinking about re-engaging life, about what you're going to do, the life that you're going to live. There'll be a day, it won't be initially when we're having kids' church. There'll be a day when we're having nurseries again. It won't be initially. Probably what we'll do first, actually, if we can pull it off, we're probably going to have a drive-in service. We may even do it for a little while. Uh, we'll, we're going to practice the social distancing. But as Texas begins to grow, as we begin to keep a handle on this virus, churches will begin to add activities. They'll begin to add numbers of people. And pretty soon we'll be back to having a full congregation and there's going to be a fear that tries to step in. Well, I'm not going to bring my children. I'm not going to go to that small group because nobody wears a mask. Now listen, again, I'm not trying to tell you where to draw the line. I simply want you to hear God and don't let fear stop you. Because fear has the power to immobilize us. That's the first battle tactic. Recognize that there's an enemy that's trying to stop me from living the life God intended. Here's the second one. We're going to shift to David a bit. And it is this. The second battle tactic is faith in God is the antidote to fear. Faith in God is the antidote to fear. Isaiah 41.10. It is without a doubt one of the greatest scriptures. I know that when I deal with fear in my life, that this is the scripture that I recite and that I rely on. Listen to the words God is speaking. Fear not for Say it with me. I am with you. I could just take a deep breath right now and let that settle in. When I'm thinking, perhaps you've lost your job. Perhaps your stimulus check or your unemployment check hadn't come in. Perhaps you have the disease. Perhaps you have the cough. Perhaps you have the fever. Fear not, because God is with me. And it didn't stop there. I'm your God. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to uphold you with my righteous right hand. Could we just take a minute right now and just take a deep breath and just say, thank God he's with me. That I don't have to let my fear control me, but I can be confident in my God. Faith reaches out to God. It's the antidote for fear. Let's go to David. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now you know the story. Goliath is taunting the people. David, this young shepherd boy, he's a teenager, probably in his mid to late teens, and he shows up on the battlefield and he is amazed. No, listen to what David said. Um, <laughs> Well, you know the story. David, of course, he went back with his, uh, uh, talked to his brothers. His brothers shamed him. He asked questions who Goliath was. What would happen if somebody fought him? Well, David now has agreed to fight Goliath. Saul reluctantly let him go. So you now have got thousands of people on one hill, Israelites, thousands of Philistines on the other, this nine-foot guy, and he has armor on him. He has a spear. He has a javelin. He has a sword that probably would take two hands to pick up, and he's walking towards David. And here's what David said. You come to me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. In other words, he's saying, he, it's almost like he knew, fear not, because God is with me. 
The God that will strengthen me, that will uphold me, that will shield me. God is with me. David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. Listen to this now. Today the Lord will conquer you. Because friends, listen, again, there's some things we should be afraid of that could uh, whether make us sick, make us lose money, make us, whatever the case is. There's things that should make us back up a little bit or adjust the way that we're living. They may be too big for us, but they're not too big for God. And that's what David said. David said, the Lord's going to conquer you. But they didn't say God's going to do it by himself and I'm going to stay at home. David said, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to cut off your head. Cut off his head. Pretty gory, Pastor. Yeah, it is. I wonder how he thought he would cut off his head. You know, all David had was a handful of rocks. He didn't have anything. Maybe that young boy thought, Goliath, I'm going to whip you. I'm going to kill you. And then I'm going to take your own sword and I'm going to cut your head off. Now, pretty gory thing today. But this guy had faith. It was more than just the, the uh, uh, sometimes flippant ignorance of youth. It was more than just being uninformed. His faith was leading him to fight his fears. But notice what he said. The whole world will know there's a God in Israel. You see, when I told you not to be afraid to live life as God wants you to live it. I'm not talking about just going to your favorite restaurant and going shopping at Dillard's or wherever or you know, going to Walmart and not wearing your mask. I'm talking about what God has us to do in our lives. I'm talking about this callings that's on our life, uh, what the scripture tells us to do, the things that bear potential reward for the future. You know, this could be, this corona crisis could bring forth a third great awakening in America this corona crisis may not just be church back to normal, everybody else back to normal. There could be some economic shaking. There could be some fallout. There could be multitudes coming to Christ in the days ahead. There could be literal hundreds of thousands, millions of people around the world coming to Christ. Well, guess what? An angel's not going to reach out to them. An angel's not going to disciple them. An angel's not going to send money for Bibles. An angel's not going to go on missions trips. You and I are going to do all these things. We're not going to let fear stop us. When God calls us to do something, we're going to have the courage to do it. Well, let's look at the third one now. Uh, the third battle tactic. And you know, battle tactics, we, we, we see all this played out. Uh, China has an aircraft carrier somewhere near South Korea. Uh, the little, uh, little small boats that the Iranians have been using to harass our Navy. They're, uh, they're in the, I don't know, Strait of Hormuz or somewhere in the Mediterranean. And uh, President Trump said the other day, he said, listen, you keep messing with us, we're going to take your little boats out. Well, these are all little tactics of the military. And we're talking about tactics to fight this battle of fear. Here's the third one. Faith acts when the feeling of fear is the strongest. See, don't imagine that if I have faith, I'm not going to be afraid anymore because we might be. Now listen, 1 Samuel 17, verse 47. David's continuing to talk to Goliath. He said, everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. You see, it wasn't just about David. Just like the things God wants me to do, it's not always for me. It's for my contribution to the kingdom of God. He said, uh, God's not going to rescue me with sword and spear. It's a way of saying our best ability, but this is the Lord's battle. And Christian, let me tell you this. You've been called of God. You've been filled with the Spirit. You've been anointed by God. You've been gifted to do things just like young Timothy was. And the same thing that Paul said to him, don't let fear stop you. David is someone who didn't. Notice what it said, verse 48. David moves closer to the attack. 
Now, I don't know if this means he had his spear in his hand. I don't know if he pulled out his sword, but this nine-foot man is running at this little boy. And you know what David did? Now, this is the pivotal verse. He quickly ran out to meet him. Remember this third battle tactic? Faith acts when the feeling of fear is the strongest. I guarantee you the thousands of Israelites on that hill, they were still afraid. Some of them might have even been betting whether how quickly he would kill Goliath. I bet the Philistines were betting on that. But he went towards him. A nine-foot man was coming to kill him. I bet you David felt a little fear. It's foolish to think that he didn't have any fear. This fear could have been screaming in his ear. Fear screams in my ear. The other day when I was just going turkey hunting, you know, this whole anxiety thing started in my life after my wife's cancer, kind of a PTSD kind of effect, and it haunts me still. But it haunted me for four hours, and it was a loud shout in my ear that I'm not going to make it. I want to tell you, friend, David didn't listen to it. Fear operates, now hear, hear me in this, fear operates in the realm of feelings while faith is a choice of our will. Scared people can still have faith. Fear is a feeling. It might be real, it might be an imaginary, but it's a feeling. And our body begins to, you know, the, 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 the fight or flight response takes over. Adrenaline starts flowing through our system. But there's a feeling that surrounds fear. Faith doesn't wait till the feeling disappears. Faith acts. Faith trumps the feeling. You've got to face it. Moments later, David took a rock and he threw it at Goliath. The only vulnerable place on this man's body was a small place right here on his forehead. David slung that rock between his eyes. He fell down dead. The Philistines ran away. Israel won the victory, and David was on his way to becoming king. And it all happened when David chose faith over fear. It worked for him, and it'll work for us. If I was at church this morning, I'd say, let's give the Lord a big hand. Why don't you do that right where you're sitting? Hey, let's close this morning. And listen, I am not trying to minimize the power of the coronavirus. I'm not telling you uh, to go to Walmart or Lowe's and don't wear your mask. <laughs> but people are already doing that, aren't they? No, I'm telling you to do your best to hear God and act in faith, not fear. I'm telling you be cautious, but don't let fear Keep you from the life God wants you to live. Now, I, I love the turkey hunt. I talk about it. It's, it's, it's a passion in my life. But you know, there's something that could keep me out of the turkey woods, and it's snakes. <laughs> I hate snakes. And I tell you, I have seen some big water moccasins. I saw a cottonmouth not too many years ago. He was probably about that long, and he was probably, literally, probably that big around. And I saw him in that little stream of water I was going to cross, and his mouth was open, and he was cocked back. Listen, you see those things, you dream about them. Uh, I've been climbing up banks, creek banks, wondering if there's a snake up there. Now listen, I respect snakes. I, 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 I'm cautious. Uh, I've got my phone. If I ever got bit, I, I, I wear snake boots everywhere I go. But I'm cautious that I don't let fear stop me from doing something that I love to do. And this is the message for us today. The end of the quarantine is in sight. Uh, the next battle many of us will fight is fear. And if we don't defeat it, it'll paralyze us and stop us from living the life God wants us to live. My friends, I want to encourage you. Let you and I commit today to do our best to hear God and have the courage to re-engage life. Why? Because Paul told Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind.
I want to close in prayer, but let me remind you of these battle tactics to fight fear. Number one, you recognize the enemy's attacks. Satan wants to use fear to paralyze you and stop you from doing what God wants you to do. Don't let him do it. When fear gets on you, stop back just a second. Analyze it. Pray about it. See if it has a spiritual component. The second thing, it's your faith in God. It is your faith in the Word of God that's the antidote to fear. And lastly, faith acts when the feelings of fear are the strongest. David, when he saw Goliath, he didn't stop. He took a breath, he grabbed a stone, and he ran to him. And then God did what David couldn't do on his own. I want to tell you, friends, this next battle with fear is winnable for those with faith in God. Listen, I want to pray for us today. But before I close in, in, in prayer for all of us, I'd like to ask you today a serious question. Perhaps well, you may go to church on the rock or you may not. doesn't really matter. But if you were to die today, could be the coronavirus, could be a car accident, could be food poison, you could die in your sleep. Nobody likes to think about it. And like I said earlier, you know, we all will. It is an absolute certainty. And perhaps you've had a heightened awareness around, uh, about death in this corona crisis. I want to give you some good news today, friends. Death for a Christian is a comma. It's not a period. Jesus Christ promised that if we would believe in him and follow him, he'd give us the gift of eternal life. You see, the reason people die from the corona crisis or anything else is because of sin. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. The Bible also tells us all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That's me, that's you, that's everybody that you know, and that's why people die. God didn't create us to die. God created humanity in the Garden of Eden to enjoy God and live forever. But sin messed it up. And one day, in a real place called heaven, we're going to live with God forever and ever. But can I tell you this, friends? Unless we deal with the problem of sin in a way that satisfies God, we'll never go to heaven. And the way that satisfies God is simply this. It is our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior. If you're here today and you'll say, Pastor... I want to become a follower of Christ. It's more than just going to heaven, friend. It's having a real relationship with a real God. And maybe you're here today and honest enough to say that I don't know if I died today or if I'd go to heaven or hell, but I'm ready to settle that question. I'm ready to do what the Bible says. I want to believe in Jesus. I want to turn from my sins, and I want to follow Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'd like to pray for you right now, if that's your heart. Maybe you're here, you've never prayed a prayer of commitment to Christ, or maybe you prayed it as a child or a long time ago and got away from God. Either way, if today is a day you want to restore your relationship with God, we're going to pray this right now. I want you to bow your head right where you are, and if you're comfortable, just get out on your knees as an act of humility. And I want you to just close your eyes and say these words after me. Say, Dear Jesus, that's it, go ahead and say, Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. And thank you for offering me eternal life. Today, Lord, I acknowledge that I have sinned. I have done wrong. And I know my sin will be judged. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive my sins, to come into my life, and to be my Lord and Savior. 
Jesus, with your help, I'm going to follow you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, I'm really thrilled. Uh, that's the easy part. Jesus did the hard part on the cross. Now, living the Christian life out every day is the great challenge that's before us. It's a wonderful life that you've just started. I want to be able to help you if you made a commitment to Christ. You'll see on the screen where it says 97,000. If you'll just text that number 97,000 and write the word, type the word restored, that'll let us know that you've made this step to Christ and uh, we will send you a link to some discipleship things that I've done. Very short videos. I've got eight or nine of them. They'll send them out to you every couple days. It'll teach you about reading your Bible, about prayer and about all these different things. And actually, if you just like some information about Church on the Rock, if you like what you're experiencing, you want to learn a bit more, do that same number, 97,000, but just text the word C-O-T-R, that's Church on the Rock, and uh, we'll tell you a little bit more about our church family. Let me pray for you as we go today. Lord, today there's many of us here that are honest to say we battle with fear. Whether it's irrational fears like me going to the turkey woods or a real fear like a snake could appear, a real fear like a Goliath in front of me, the thing that we don't want to do, Lord, is we don't let fear stop us from doing the will of God and living the life that you've called us to live. So I want to pray, Holy Spirit, today that faith would rise in our hearts and you would help us be strong. Let us be discerning when Satan's after us. And let us fight back in the name of the Lord. And this is our prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining in today. If this was helpful to you, post it on your, share it with you on your Facebook page or tell a friend about it and hopefully be a blessing to them. I love you. Thanks for tuning in. And Lord willing, we'll see you Wednesday night in our live stream and next weekend as well. God bless you and have a wonderful day. We're so excited that you chose to tune in with us this weekend, and we just pray that you'd have a blessed day today.